Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome, 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 welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I have got a loaded, 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 loaded podcast for you. The first Thursday edition of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, the first podcast in a post-draft world. Wait till you hear what I got going on on the show today. Wade Keller is going to join me to give his expert opinion on what happened uh, at the draft uh, this week. Also, because Katie Linendahl is out of town, I said there is no way the listeners to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast are going to want to hear a podcast without Katie's opinion on what happened at the draft. So I'm going to do it with all my might. I'm going to track Katie down. We'll get her on the phone. We'll do something. Uh, Katie's out of town, but I will make sure that my uh, regular co-host, sidekick, hype girl, Katie Linendahl, is a part of today's show. Of course, part of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast every week. Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, the podcast for wrestling fans by yours truly. A wrestling fan. But before we get to the draft, I want to get to my guest this week. We'll get to the draft in the state of wrestling. My guest this week is the man who has turned the wrestling world on its ear. He is the man that everybody's talking about. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast is the man himself. The man who deleted Brother Nero. Broken Matt Hardy. Yes. Broken Matt Hardy, my guest on this week's Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Let's get to it right now. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Let's welcome to the podcast. We've talked about him a lot, but this is the very first time uh, Broken Matt Hardy is here. Are you there, Matt? Yes, I am here, Brother Sam. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Uh, You know, we've spoken before. But never, you've never sounded like this before. That was probably the first thing that struck me, uh, is the fact that Broken Matt Hardy sounds a lot different than Matt Hardy. Where does this accent come from, uh, location-wise? I am not sure, honestly. It was just, uh, it was the way I talked after the interview. I, I think you, you, you know a bit of my history. My evil enigma brother Nero, the, the, the sibling that I grew up with, absorbed all the credit that the Hardys had earned over uh, a quarter of a century uh, throughout our career. He had a problem with me winning the title of the world with Impact Wrestling. <laughs> right. And, and, and then once he cost me that title, we went into a into a feud, which was 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 a very bitter situation. I, I never wanted to fight my brother, but you he didn't. Put because you took such uh, I, you took such pride in deleting him that I figured oh, I, that oh, you wanted that this is what you wanted. Oh, uh, I I do now, but originally I did not. 
I as, I, as I am telling you, originally I wanted him to support me as champion. Whenever he, was, uh, whenever he held the title of the world, I always supported him. But right. he could not stand that I was the champion of the world. And, and therefore, the, 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 the jealousy and the envy of him came out, and, and he truly exposed his colors as a brother Nero. I see. We went to an I Quit match, and during the course of that match, he jumped off of the, the roof of the impact zone and, and put me through a table and the floor with, with no concern for my wife or my child, King Maxwell, or my family. He tried to injure me. And, and, and a mortal man would have been, his career would have been ended on that day, but not me. It, it, it created this condition, and, and, and the doctors can't really explain where I grew this power and I was able to recuperate. For some reason, I speak differently, I, I move differently, I think differently, and, and what has happened is my brain right. has now unlocked uh, more potent, uh, potent parts that I've never even knew, knew existed before. I am now more than just a mortal man. I am magic. Well, what what is the first thing that happened that you realized that you had magic uh, powers? Like, what, like you're coming out of this injury, and obviously it doesn't all hit you at once. Something's got to happen where you go, oh, my God, I have magic. It did. It, it did. Uh, Brother Sam, the first thing that happened was this. Yeah. Whenever I woke up at the hospital and they took me to a, took me to a mirror to look at myself, <laughs> I, I had a sharp streak in my hair. Right. You know, many people think I, I have done some sort of uh, dye of the hair or, 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 or enhanced it with some sort of color. No, I, I would not do that. It was a, a shock streak. Apparently, my, my, my body and, and my essence was, was, was so terrified from almost being ended that day, uh, my, my hair immediately turned into a, a, a gray slash white shade. So this is almost like you wake up from this injury like the Joker wakes up from being thrown in that vat in the original Batman, where you look in the mirror, you're a different person, you think differently, you act differently, you break the mirror, now you're this other other being. Yes, that is almost that is precisely what happened. And, wow. and, and just whenever, whenever it unlocked to so many things within me, I realized that, as I have said, I am more. I am not just a mortal man anymore. I have grown, and my broken universe is expanding. And with me... Everything is limitless. There are no limits. There are no boundaries. There are no parameters to where broken Madhari can go. Why do you? Because I, I, of course I follow you on Twitter, and a lot of people do. Why do you spell the same way you speak? Like you would think that you could still like you spell words that are in your accent <laughs> the way you would say them, as opposed to just typing them out. Like we, they're not spelled differently because you're magic. Uh, you, you are correct. They are not. But I have decided, because this has been such an inspirational movement to so many people, there are many other humans out there that are broken. They didn't oh. acquire the powers or the magic I did. I am actually structuring my own language. I'm calling oh, wow. hardyish, and I am actually altering spelling of some of the, 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 the older, you know, outdated English words. <laughs> you know, over is no longer O-D-E-R. That is outdated passive spelling. It is now over. O-D-E-H. <laughs> and uh, on, on top of that, I also have a scribe who is not only working on my language, my, my, my book of language, he is also working on the modern testament of the broken book. I am going to take all of my gospels and put them together and inspire others to do great things. Wow. I mean, it is inspiring and it's amazing because you're also changing the way proper nouns are spelled. Like McMahon is no longer spelled McMahon, it's Meek Mahan. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I couldn't. I could barely understand what you were saying. <laughs> yes. were, were, were you were you referencing Vince Meek Mahan? <laughs> I guess that must have been who I was referencing. I must have sounded very foolish just then. 
Uh, it is okay. I do understand this. I mean, you are still a human being made of uh, flesh, and with a normal mind, you are not allowed to use every every piece of percentage of your mind. And uh, it is okay. But uh, for the future, I want you to, to go ahead, because you are a very valiant soldier in the Great War, Brother Sam. I want you to remember how to pronounce it. It is a Vincent K. Mikmahan. <laughs> okay. I will remember I actually, that. I actually just wrote a tweet to... Uh, to Mick Mahan, and I actually told him I am offering to sell him Brother Nero uh, as well as his intellectual property in time for the WWE draft. Oh, wow. So you could because you deleted Brother Nero. You would be willing to sell him off so they could draft him because he's, he's deleted. He's done. Well, I deleted. Basically, all he is is a vessel of empty flesh. Right. He is just, just a body. Like, what made Brother Nero so special for so many years was everyone always said, Oh, Brother Nero, he has the eat factor. He has this, this outrageous <laughs> charisma. He was a, a charismatic enigma. But, right. but the, the fact of the matter was this all of those items that made him special, that made him what they were, I absorbed them. I deleted them. I took them away. I took away his charisma. I took away his aura. I took away his essence, his spirit, his soul. Now, he is merely a weak and pathetic, laughable, uh, empty vessel of flesh. That is all that remains of him now. And uh, when did you develop the technology for something? Because obviously, you know, and I have a lot of questions because I watched the final deletion, and I think like a lot of people, it was a life changer for sure. When did you get the technology to develop Vanguard 1? I mean, that, that the, the red hologram coming out of Vanguard 1, delivering your message for you, is not like anything I've seen uh, before. Yes, I have I have been working on this technology for many, many years. <laughs> uh, I, I, I have a, a, an incredible scientist who I have working on many projects. Vanguard One was one of the first things he developed for me. And, and the, 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 the beneficial thing to me now about being broken and in my broken condition, fortunately, for a, a quarter of a century, I have been wrestling in high-profile positions, so I have saved up enough money, and I have enough money that I can never spend during the entire course of my life. So... Besides being broken, I also uh, have unlimited uh, finances. So wow. I continue to dump money into this into the sciences, and he creates things. He built Vanguard One. I am going to have him redo Scar's God, the dilapidated boots. <laughs> uh, I, I also have him working on a project, which I will give you now. It is an exclusive. I have him working on the technology to create a portal for me. He's so this is an exclusive. You have not said this, but this is exclusive to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. You have a, a portal being built for you. Yes, this is a, a, a podcast exclusive. I am having my scientists create a portal where I can get into the portal and I can be into where I need to go. No longer will I need to concern myself with these crafts with wings that fly through the air. Right. You know, I will get into my portal and go wherever I need to go. Now, you do, however, find enjoyment out of other vehicles because what really inspired me, the happiness, the orgasmic, forgive me for oh. using but the orgasmic happiness that was on your face as you drove that riding lawnmower across your brother Nero's front lawn, which he had, which he had carefully uh, sculpted so well, is like a happiness I've never seen before. Oh, it was absolutely euphoric. <laughs> it was orgasmic. It, it was like I had reached the, the, the point of nirvana in my lifetime. Uh, because he <laughs> takes such pride in creating these asinine symbols in his yard. Yeah. And, and just like anyone who has a neighbor who does all this arrogant, uh, 
you know, landscaping with a, with, with a ton of hubris to go there and take that away from him. Oh, it was absolutely glorious. How long is how long has Senior Benjamin worked for you? Uh, Senior Benjamin has been employed for me for about uh, three years. Three years, and so how does he feel? I guess that's the that's the real question. How does somebody like Senior Benjamin after three years? Because three years ago he would have known just you know standard. We'll say Matt Hardy uh, versus now broken Matt Hardy. How has he adjusted to the working conditions that that, that broken Matt Hardy? You know, I mean, to prepare the battlefield for massacre is not something that would have been in Senior Benjamin's job description, you know, even a few months ago. Yes, you, you are correct, but he is such a very loyal soldier to the Hardy brand, and he is a loyal soldier to the Great War. I have told him the seven deities have put inside uh, a motivational and an inspirational message uh, for me to give back out to the world. We are all in the midst of the Great War, as I said. You are a valiant soldier. You are on the Thank right you. side. Thank you. Uh, but Senior Benjamin, what he understood was this. I think he realized that I had been broken, that I had a condition. And, and I, you probably saw at the beginning of the final deletion when he asked <laughs> my beautiful wife, is Matt sick? Right. And, and, and that, that's what he thought it was at first, but he didn't realize that I had evolved. Right. Uh, when, when my brother first jumped from the heavens, and, and, and landed on top of me, you know, and I, and I you know, attained this condition. At first, I said, what a terrible curse. Right. But as time has gone on, it is an absolute blessing because it has made me more. It has made me magic. Oh. And now, so you're magic, right? And you're sitting there and you're celebrating uh, Maxwell's first birthday. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Delightful. I mean, it must have been a delightful time. But what I, I appreciated the xylophone that young Maxwell received, uh, what made it extraordinary? What would, cause you saw it immediately and you said, this is an extraordinary xylophone. Like what, what, uh, what made it extraordinary? Uh, it, it was just so scintillating with all of the colors. <laughs> and, 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 and I knew my son yeah. being, uh, being the son of myself and my wife who were both musical geniuses. I knew once he got the xylophone, it would be the first instrument that he conquered. So when, as soon as I saw that Senior Benjamin, a very wise uh, old soul, you know, we are kindred spirits in many ways, even though he is my gardener. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever he gave, whenever he gave me the xylophone, I said, "Ah, oh, this is extraordinary," because it was the perfect gift of King Maxwell, the sole heir to the heart of the room. I see. I mean, and he's got to be. I mean, at this point, he is more than the gardener. Let's be honest. I mean, the fact that he was uh, smart enough to place uh, the gasoline. In the spot where he did, he knew exactly what he was doing, and he was he was very loyal in the sense that without that gasoline, who knows if the deletion would have happened at all. See, uh, yes, you are correct. Uh, he, he is a very wise man, and and this is one thing about him. He has a, a backstory uh, that that a lot of people don't know, which I think in time will maybe be explained. He okay. has a uh, he has a past in in battles and in war and in combat, so he can apply these. Uh, these different things he's learned throughout the years uh, to skills when I need them for deleting people and whatnot. Do you feel like when uh, Maxwell is a little bit older and kind of uh, more cognizant of what is going on around him, that he'll yes. look back on this time? Will he, will he be confused? Will he be enlightened? Because uh, this seems like if this were, like if I were, let's say I'm 10 years old and I go back and yes. look at my home videos and this is what I see when I'm one or two or however old, it, uh, it would probably, it would weird me out a little bit. Oh, I think that King Maxwell is uh, a very special species. 
he 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 comes from a very select and special set of genes between my myself and my beautiful wife Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure he will look upon this and he will realize that it was uh, was glorious, was wonderful that we have gifted him with a kindness. From the day he is able to realize what is going on, he will already be a megastar. Would you? He will already be what? A megastar. Oh, megastar. Uh, yeah. A megastar. Would you say that your wife is? Which and this is maybe a little a little personal, but is she more or less attracted to you now that you're broken, Matt Hardy, and you have magic? Uh, I think she is more attracted. Wow. I think she is more uh, more attracted to me in many ways, just because uh, I have become more powerful. Right. Oh, so, and there, 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 there is there is attraction, and and there is something so sensual about uh, <laughs> about power. And I have more power than anyone. I have more power than the TNA, than the Impact Wrestling. The whole organization. I think so, because if Dixie Carter does not watch it, I would delete her ass next. Wow! So you're sitting there like all these internet rumors. You know, TNA going on sale, Billy Corgan investing this, who's the boss of that? You're not worried about any of it, because should anybody cross you, you will delete their asses. I will. I will delete their ass. That is what, uh, that, that is what happens in 2016. Matt Hardy deletes your ass. That's, that's very, very good. Now, I will say that before we get, I feel like some of your ideas are being borrowed, but I also think that, you know, Matt Hardy will delete your ass. Isn't that sort of similar to Stone Cold Steve Austin's catchphrase? I guess it could be. I think he would like whip ass as opposed to delete ass, right. because he would like fight. But I, I, I take away the the soul, the spirit, the aura, the essence. That's probably you know, more effective than just whipping an ass. Like the deleting is like that's that's forever, right? Yes, deleting is is is, is magic. It is it is borderline doo doo. <laughs> right, right. You'd have to have a foe like Papa Shango to compete with this. Yes, uh, Papa Shango was not. He was not the, the real magic. He was. Oh. He was. The, he was the, 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 the choreographed professional wrestling magic. I. I am different. I am truly more. So you've moved beyond pro wrestling. This isn't. This isn't wrestling anymore. Uh, no, this is now. Now I have. I have extended professional wrestling. I see. I, I think professional wrestling has almost been. It has become stale over the last few years because these are uh, these these are uh, outspoken. Uh, arrogant aunts that like to get on the internet and they're, they're typing the keys over and over and they're very opinionated. They have made wrestling into something where it is like uh, five stars is what the match must be. Oh, oh, it's terrible. Oh, it has to be some athletic uh, contest full of uh, spot monkeys. You know, that is what these, these people want. <laughs> right. And I am bringing wrestling back to a different universe where it is more entertainment. I am going to base it off entertainment and I, I put the fun in dysfunctionality. Well, did you, I mean, speaking of the internet, did you see the uh, who is it? Brian Alvarez, maybe, of the Wrestling Observer, wanted to award uh, every Observer Award this year to Broken Matt. I, I did. Brian Alvarez is a good man. He's he's a good soldier in the Great War. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, uh, but we did see. I, I saw wrestling taking place outside of the ring in a in a move that looked very similar to the final deletion a couple of weeks ago on Raw. With the new day, of course, heading over to the Wyatt's family. Do you think that the Wyatt family, whatever swamp fight, was at least uh, inspired by the final deletion? I saw that blasphemy, that sacrilege. <laughs> Those brother Nero Wyatts. I know what they're doing. What are they doing? They made. Oh, they are copying. They are mimicking. They saw the greatness of the final deletion when I went out and I deleted brother Nero, the man who was a thorn in my side. 
Mm-hmm. They tried to jump on it, thinking they could use WWE. And Mick Mahan budgeting <laughs> his money to produce some masterpiece that could blow away what we put together as the final deletion. Right. But that is not what is going to happen, because ours was truly heart and soul. And you saw me, a man who has been tortured for, for nearly a quarter of a century by my brother, absorbing all of the credit that truly I have done, where I have just been humble and I had laid in the back and I, I didn't take responsibility. I, I, I said it as a team until he finally popped his head up a breed and then I had to delete him. And uh, that happened in the final deletion. It was the greatest moment, the pinnacle of my career. So there is no uh, uh, video mimicking that that will ever be able to take that moment away? No. No. No, I don't it, think it, 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 it was a pioneering moment. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, I, and I think when you're when you're a pioneer, of course, you're going to be mimicked a little bit. I will say, you know, I was thinking about like the accent and all this stuff. The one moment yeah. where I felt like your accent started to slip away was uh, at the, it, what sounded to me like the fear when you realized that your brother Nero, Jeff, had uh, picked up the fireworks and was pointing them in your direction. Yes, I do know. I do know this particular moment that you speak of, and for some reason, I, the, the the seven deities had me speaking a tongue. <laughs> the seven deities had me speaking a tongue, and and I I did not understand that strange dialect I spoke in. Well, that and thank God though that as it turns out, there was nothing to be afraid of because that is the exact moment. And do you think that maybe the seven deities put that dilapidated boat in its place so that you could shield yourself from the fireworks? Yes, they blessed me with that kindness, no doubt. It's, that's 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 amazing. Is there anybody in not even in just in TNA because I'm sure you've you've got your list of people in TNA, but anybody in pro wrestling in general? Now that Brother Nero has been deleted, as you said, I'm a soldier. Of course, you know Katie Linendahl, who does the podcast with me. She specifically wanted me to ask you if you had room now that your brother Nero has been deleted. If there was room for a sister. Ah, yes. Uh, th- th- it's a possibility. I am uh, suddenly expanding my platoon. Did As you can see, we, we have such a strong platoon with my beautiful wife, Rebecca, right. King Maxwell, with right. Senior Benjamin. Right. I have the scribe that is writing my broken book. He is, uh, <laughs> he is scribing that daily. I have a dilapidated boat named Skarsgård. <laughs> I have Vanguard One, you know, and our platoon is slowly growing, and I would love to have you and the, the lady you speak of join our platoon. Wow, that would that would be it'd be an amazing amazing honor, and we would both either one of us do it in a heartbeat. Is there anybody else in the world of pro wrestling that you feel like you want to delete? Maybe you want to delete next. Uh, I think the next person on my list to delete will uh, be Bobby Lashley, the man wow. who currently the, the the man who currently holds the title of the world in Impact Wrestling in TNA. Now, are <laughs> now do you? Do you want to delete him because of who he is, or do you want to delete him because you want to be the champion of the world? Uh, I, I deserve to be the champion of the world. I am the only man at TNA that can carry that title mm-hmm. and, and, and actually hold it the right way. At the beginning of the year, that is how I, I, I started the year off, as holding the title of the world. And now Bobby Lashley is walking around with my title, and that is possibly the only thing that can make me whole, even stronger, even stronger than I am currently, holding that title. I can't imagine the strength. Tell me the truth. I was watching the video. Was that ring lit? With, were those citronella candles that was lighting the ring in the, in the yard when, when you and your brother Nero uh, wrestled? Yes. They it, were, was, it was citronella? See, yes. Is that because regardless of, uh, of, 
of of broken magic or whatever it is, you still need to keep mosquitoes away? Uh, yes, I, I think we were just looking for a special lighting effect. Apparently, the, I have a man that is covering everything I do now. He is covering uh, uh, the, the the whole epic saga of Broken Mad Hardy. You might know him. His name is Jeremy Borash. And he is, he, is he, would you say that he's part of your platoon? Well, he, he is part of my platoon because he is my documentary. Oh, wow. I wow. keep him around to document all these things. I mean, this is almost like, you know, if, if we would have been blessed to have someone with a camera follow, uh, you know, some of the great figures in history. You know, it would have been amazing to have those experiences. And considering I'm going to be one of the greatest figures in all of the world's history, <laughs> I had to have a documentary and cover it. So now I have Jeremy Borash. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see uh, the rest of the footage. I can't wait for every, the entire journey to be documented. Uh, Broken Matt, thank you so much for being thank- here with us. Thank you, thank you, good brother Sam. And I would like to give you another uh, another little teaser about Impact Wrestling. It is going to to Thursdays, you know, coming yes. up this week. Yes. Uh, we we have moved moved to Thursdays now. Uh, this Thursday, we are going to start the show off in uh, in the very sacred area of Cameron, North Carolina, at the Hardy Estates, my 120 acre Hardy Estates, mm-hmm. and uh, and and my obsolete, disobedient, uh, empty mule. Uh, he actually, I saw him yesterday hanging around the genesis of our descent. Do you know what that is? No, uh, the, the genesis, was that, no, I, I guess I don't. Maybe the, the warehouse where you did the contract signing? Well, the genesis of our descent is where things went awry. Oh. That is when he, he got on that, that absurd uh, track where he rides those cycles with wheels and he, he does <laughs> jumps and whatnot. Right, right, it, of it, course. It, it's where he turned himself into an enfeebled Knievel. <laughs> oh, I see. And, and, and he was walking around looking at that. It, it's the genesis of our descent where things went awry. Mm-hmm. And, and he really believes that he could get on that cycle with wheels and he could make it happen. And, and, and I told him, you are deleted. You are nothing. Your, your vessel is empty. Right. And I force him to face his fears and realize what he truly is this Thursday when I force him to get on that motorcycle and try and do it again. And what you see, it will blow your mind. You will realize that I have turned him, it turned him into an absolute amoeba. Just a just a just a, a flesh sack of bones. He is nothing. That's Amazing. all he is. Amazing. He is was nothing. there ever was there ever any thought when they were figuring out? Okay, SmackDown moves to Tuesday. What are we going to do with Impact? Should we keep it? Should we move it? Did you ever suggest maybe you go forward and just delete SmackDown in general? And that I way, wanted, I wanted to. Okay. I wanted the I wanted the head to head hour just to be the broken hour, and I would <laughs> do it all. I would I would broadcast the matches from my from my hearty estates. Uh-huh. I would I would do my vignettes. I would do it all. I would go head to head, and I would delete Mick Mahan's ass. <laughs> well, I have no fear. The seven deities have told me, "Have no fear, because you are our leader." I can't wait to see how it all turns out. Thank you. So, of course, you can follow. Uh, it's at Matt Hardy Brand. You also, I mean, at Jeff Hardy Brand, because you're in full control of Jeff's uh, brother Nero's social media as well. Correct. Uh, see, yes. Okay, so that's so so either way. Uh, follow Matt Hardy, Broken Matt Hardy, and thank you so much for clarifying a lot of what has been uh, driving the conversation in the wrestling world. Uh, you are very welcome. You are, once again, I consider you a good soldier in the Great War. And uh, this is just the beginning of things. I think people have no idea. My horizons are just beginning to rise. Well, I can't wait. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, brother son. Here is Sam Roberts. 
How amazing. How amazing is Matt Hardy? Broken Matt Hardy. He didn't break. He did not break. I think this is for real. I believe him. And I hope you believe him, too. We got a lot to get into. We got Roman Reigns stuff to get into. We got draft stuff to get into. I want to talk more about TNA and Broken Matt Hardy. But first, uh, I want to talk to you about uh, uh, food. You know, food. Uh, I want to talk to you about ingredients. You got to get fresh ingredients. You got to get high quality ingredients, not only because they taste better, but because they're better for you. You know, make don't work for your food. Make your food work for you. You got to get something, but it's tough. It's, it's hard to find good ingredients. It's expensive to find good ingredients. I have a hell of a time trying to cook a meal. I usually don't even know what's good for me and what's bad for me. That is why Blue Apron is the service for you. For less than $10 for meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. People are going to think you're amazing. They're going to think you're an expert. They're going to think you're one of these nutrition freaks. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, uh, fisheries, and ranchers. Whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best. Wait till you hear these meals that are available in July. You can get a spinach and basil pesto ganoushi with summer squash, green beans, and fresh mozzarella. Wait till you hear what else. Spiced pork tacos with avocado, pickled onions, uh, and uh, and uh, a little bit of corn. A little bit of corn. You can also get summer vegetable pizza with garlic, lemon, broccolini. Check out this week's menu, and you can get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash roberts, blueapron.com slash r-o-b-e-r-t-s, and you're going to get three meals, recipe, ingredients, everything you need for free, free, with free shipping. The listeners of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, we eat for free. You will love how good it feels, how good it tastes, and how great it is to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. It's blueapron.com slash Roberts, R-O-B-E-R-T-S, blueapron.com slash Roberts. Blue Apron, a better way to cook and a better way to podcast. Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Let's get in to State of Wrestling, where we're going to have Wade Keller and Katie Linnadol. Oh, my God, I can't wait. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. And we welcome you to the State of Wrestling. You might guess from the outside noise that we're doing it from the home studio this week. Uh, So much to talk about. Of course, draft week. I'll have uh, one of our expert friends, Wade Keller, joining us on the phone in a little bit to talk about his opinion on everything that happened in the draft. Unfortunately... I might try to get a little something from Katie Linendahl as the show goes on because she's all over the place traveling. She literally watched the draft live in a plane. So we're trying to get, you know, a couple minutes with her. If we don't get her this week, we'll definitely get her next week to talk about everything that happened with this thing. And I think there was good and bad. I think there was some stuff that was done right. Uh, I haven't talked about this yet, but I think the I like the selection of the general managers. I think that that was a great way to start the thing. On Monday, to have Daniel Bryan and Mick Foley announced as the general managers, both home run selections. 
when I was talking about who the general managers might be, you know, it was kind of a spoiler. Daniel Bryan, in the headline for what was going on with SmackDown on WWE.com last week, the headline said something to the effect of Shane McMahon brings the yes movement to SmackDown. And then a couple hours later was changed. So obviously somebody screwed that up. And that became uh, public information for us dorks that check the internet as much as we do. But I didn't expect Mick Foley. Uh, Mick Foley was a name I mentioned when I was talking about who would be a good general manager. You know, you talk about the – you think about the previous general managers or co- uh, or sheriffs or, or commissioners or whatever they were. And I said, you know, I think that the three best off the top of my head – were Eric Bischoff, Stone Cold, and Mick Foley in no particular order. So to see Mick Foley actually come out was uh, a surprise and a pleasant one at that. Um, before we get into uh, you know what, let me, let me save a little bit of this draft stuff because I also want to talk, I want to at least briefly mention what's going on in TNA. Um, you know, I think TNA goes through these bursts where they actually have potential to do something. I would say to make an impact, but that pun would be even too uh, egregious for me. And I think that we're at one of those places where TNA does have the potential to do something. I think that uh, they need Roderick Strong. I think Roderick Strong is a must-have. If you have a roster that has Moose, Roderick Strong, uh, 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 you got the Wolves, you got Broken Matt Hardy doing his thing. You got Mike Bennett with Maria. I think there's enough talent there that you can actually start to really do something. Then you got guys like Pepper Parks who can be built into TNA brand and stars the way EC3 was. That's what you need to do. You need to bring in young, skilled guys that are offering something that you can't necessarily see in WWE. You can't do uh, this is what pro wrestling looks like, so this is what we're going to do. And TNA has been guilty of that in the past. Now I think they're finally getting to a point where they have the ability, and I don't know what their financial situation is, so maybe they can't afford to bring in a bunch of guys, but I think Moose was a key signing for them. Moose is one of those guys that I don't think WWE needs, the amount of talent that exists within WWE and NXT. I don't think they need a guy like Moose. I think Roderick Strong would be a good addition, but... Really, based on what NXT has been doing so far, I could easily see guys like Roderick Strong and Moose becoming a little bit bigger public names. Not quite household names, but bigger public names, getting some national TV exposure in TNA, and then heading over to to NXT after that. You know, letting WWE pick them up the same way they did with, uh, with Bobby Roode, the same way they did with Samoa Joe, the same way they did with... Uh, everybody. Really, now it's like, if you're good and TNA isn't using you properly, look at AJ Styles. WWE is more than willing to pick up where TNA left off. So, I think there's still potential for those guys for sure. Even Mike Bennett to end up in WWE at some point. Who knows? But, I think that TNA needs to make, very much needs to make a direct play at some of these younger talents that are becoming free agents because obviously NXT is not afraid to sign people. You know, they're signing people up. So if you can say, look, we're going to bring you in and it's not an NXT thing. We're going to be able to make you a star on the main brand of our product. We're going to be able to make you one of the main event guys for Impact Wrestling. Obviously, that's what they did with Moose. 
immediately we're going to bring you in and you're going to attack Bobby Lashley the first time you come out there. And that's that's appealing, I think. And they're probably going to offer – obviously they offer money. Uh, the schedule, I mean, they go, look, we're going to give you this much money and we just need you to work once every six weeks for one long weekend every six weeks. Yeah. Yeah, that's got some appeal to it for certain people. So I, I think – but I think if I'm TNA, uh, Roddy Strong – is the next person that I'm looking at very carefully. And then I'm scrolling up to Sam Roberts' podcast archives and realizing that Dalton Castle is a must-have. Dalton Castle is a guy who could become a major, major star as Dalton Castle doing the Dalton Castle thing in TNA. TNA needs to realize, right, like what can they do that WWE won't do? WWE will not bring in Dalton Castle as Dalton Castle. WWE probably wouldn't let him keep his name. He's a small guy, so they wouldn't know what to do with him. And they definitely wouldn't let him talk about his boys. It wouldn't happen. TNA has the ability, potentially, unless Pop TV has some kind of issue with it, TNA has the ability to say, okay, he's making this big splash on the indies. He's at PWG, he's at Ring of Honor, everybody's talking about him. Let's bring in Dalton Castle and just let him be Dalton Castle on TNA TV. If they had a roster that looked more like that, if they had a roster that looked like, of course, you got to keep, I would keep both Hardys because broken Matt Hardy has become something in and of itself. That's the other thing, right? Like, like I, I, the roster should be mainly guys that we know from TNA and the Indies and all that, but in terms of national exposure that we know from TNA. So we've got uh, 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 uh Lashley, I think you keep because Lashley has made a name for himself in TNA. Broken Matt Hardy has become this thing where he's not just, oh, yeah, Matt Hardy. He used to be in WWE. He's doing this whole new thing. And now, ironically, he's bringing Jeff with him. So uh, you keep them. But beyond that, for the most part, you should be focusing on building a brand uh, that looks more like what we talked about previously. Look at the WWE's main event scene. Look at the guys that have really excelled in WWE, especially with the fan base. Your Daniel Bryans, your Seth Rollins, your Dean Ambrose, your Samoa Joe, all these guys, right? CM Punks. Save Dean Ambrose. Everybody that was at the top of Ring of Honor is now a fan favorite in WWE. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Cesaro. You go on and on and on and on. Maybe WWE thinks that it has forgotten about that. Because what I see right now is Moose, which TNA already has. I see Roderick Strong. I see Dalton Castle. I see Adam Cole. I see all these guys that you can build a national promotion around and you can put on television and all those guys look different from anything that's on WWE TV. So to me, it's a no-brainer. That's the exact direction that you go in. TNA needs to look at those guys, I think. You know, uh, they should have been looking at guys like Zack Sabre Jr. and people like that, but obviously WWE has already scooped up Zack Sabre Jr., I would think. So what's TNA going to do? Okay. All right. Well, you're looking so globally. And, and WWE, has, WWE has a thing, it seems, with Ring of Honor. You know, they book against Ring of Honor. They don't really acknowledge Ring of Honor. They treat Ring of Honor like they treat TNA a little bit. So I would say TNA goes, okay, all right. Well, that's where you're letting your guard down. 
we're going to go in and remind you that they're still producing some pretty great talent. And and I think I think that's exactly what TNA should do. Uh, all right, let's move on. Whoa, siren. Let's move on to uh, the WWE draft. So I watched uh, 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 most of the coverage, pretty much all of the coverage, I think. I went back. I wasn't able to watch the second screen network stuff live, so I went back and and watched it after. And I don't, uh, again, good and bad. But I think that one of the big things that the show is lacking right now is a degree of nuance in storytelling. There were so there was so much that could have been done that wasn't done. There were so many little things I saw that weren't being done. For instance, I tweeted out something as I was watching the live show about the reactions that I wasn't seeing from the superstars. And they said, well, you got to turn on the network to see the reactions. And I go, oh, okay. But it still wasn't what I was talking about. If you watch my fantasy draft video on YouTube, then you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the way it was before. Go back to the 2002 draft, the first draft, the locker rooms being separated. Now, I wouldn't separate the locker rooms because nobody's been drafted yet, so who would be in the two locker rooms? It doesn't make any sense. But the fact that you have the potential, you've got everybody backstage, obviously, because they all did promos on the network special. Put them all in one big room, and instead of showing the titantrons, of the guys that get drafted, show their faces. Show them. How do they react? Because we got some amazing stuff in the promos for the network special, which I'll get into, but we didn't get the initial facial response. And then we know that all the NXT guys were in the performance center, just like I said. I said in my fantasy video, which sounds really weird the way I say it. I'm a 32-year-old man, but I said it in the video that you sit all the guys in the Performance Center, you put a camera on them, and then they react. Oh, look, they're watching in the Performance Center as well in Orlando. And they did that. They had everybody in the Performance Center. They had cameras because now they've got videos online of the reactions. But why not have a live feed? Why not when you go Finn Balor? Instead of playing, like, the Demon video or whatever, why not have a shot of his face? Oh, my God, I'm drafted. I'm finally going to the main roster. Why not have a shot of Nia Jax's face? And then save the promos and stuff for the website, for the network, for all that stuff. I'm fine with that. But to not show the facial reactions, just a little detail that's missing. Also, something that I found as I was watching this, and hopefully I'll talk to Wade Keller about this, was that Shane and Stephanie were not fighting with their lives, fighting for their lives with each other. Do you know what I mean? The way Raw and SmackDown were originally separated, at least storyline-wise, to create competition. And while it was talked about that there'd be competition, and there was a stare-down between Mick Foley and Daniel Bryan and blah, 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 you never really, there was never tension. I never felt like Shane and Stephanie, like there needs to be something. See, the problem is Shane and Stephanie have both been established as successful entrepreneurs in their own right. Shane has outside businesses, and Stephanie, we know her off-screen persona, is a strong businesswoman. So uh, to me, the only way that Shane-Stephanie thing works is, uh, you know, I'm going to give my inheritance to whatever the stronger brand is. Oh, now we're fighting for everything. Or 
you know, Stephanie, you don't want to know. Well, what about that mystery box that Shane had? Wasn't there evidence in a mystery box? That's why Shane came back in the first place? What about if the, if the ratings don't improve for Raw and, and Shane beats them, then the, the mystery box comes out, and Stephanie, you're not going to like that. Now we're fighting for our lives. There's got to be some reason that we're fighting. It, like right now, it's just like to shake things up. I read from Shane and Stephanie's faces, like, oh, this will be fun. Nope, I wonder who's going to win. This is for bragging rights. Why am I tuning in? There's so much stuff on television. There's so much stuff I could be doing with my life. There's so much stuff on the internet. So many things to watch, listen to, do outside. I could be outside chasing Pokemons if I wanted to. But instead, I'm turning on pro wrestling. And I turn on pro wrestling because I want to see people fighting for their lives, not just having a good time. I don't want to see uh, uh, these two uh, people fighting for bragging rights because I want to beat my brother. I don't want to see a sibling rivalry. I want to see people fighting for their lives. I want to see what we saw, what was presented, at least, in the 2002 draft, which was Ric Flair and Vince McMahon fighting for supremacy. One of these two needs supremacy. Right now, I don't see that. I didn't even see, like, you know, there were a couple reactions here and there when Mick Foley had to get the contract out of the garbage bag, which, you know, kind of an unnecessary shot at Mick Foley, but when Mick Foley had to take the contract out of the garbage bag and say, here's Chris Jericho, when uh, uh, Shane McMahon rips up his paper that because uh, they drafted Enzo and Cass, blah, 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 like, more of that. You know, what I saw was people being like, oh, that's annoying, or oh, that not like, there weren't real passionate reactions from Shane and Stephanie. There weren't, there weren't reactions like, oh, man, that was my guy. That was my pick. That's what I needed to do. Nothing like that. There wasn't sort of my life was on the line and I screwed up here. Or like, you know, oh, man, they just drafted the Intercontinental Champion. Or, like, Stephanie should have been furious that they drafted the World Champion. Ah, they got him. Ah. Maybe she gets mad at Mick Foley. Mick, you said Seth should be our number one pick. Or Mick gets mad at Stephanie. Stephanie, I told you this would happen. We just lost the World title. Some kind of tension between somebody. And for Mick Foley and Stephanie to kind of get along, but not really, like, what what do we want... What's what's being told there? You know, it's like uh, nuance isn't being done. It's just this sort of uh, whitewashing over everything. You know, like it, we're not really determined as to what, what Stephanie's role is here. Stephanie is like one of the best bad guys on television. I don't mind attention being paid to general managers and attention being paid to the McMahon family if the McMahon family is performing the roles that the McMahon family can. But in this case, they kind of weren't, you know, like Stephanie wasn't be Stephanie can be the biggest, the best bad guy in the company when she's a real bad guy. But she wasn't being a real bad guy. Even like the Lady Balls comment on Raw, like Steph, like Shane, first of all, it's dumb of Shane to say, Stephanie, you know, you want to be a man because it's 2016. Like that's a heel thing to say. Like you don't even say that anymore. You're not supposed to. This sort of like, uh, oh, Stephanie, you know, because female empowerment is is what people like. That's the whole Divas Revolution was based on that, right? Every everywhere in sports, 
So that didn't make any sense for Shane to say that. That was the wrong move. But then for Stephanie to come back and say, well, lady balls are bigger than testicles or whatever she said was like a girl power moment. So now are we saying that Shane is a bad guy and Stephanie's a good guy? Because we're not going to boo Shane. That's the whole point. You know, I don't know. There was, uh, there, was, it, there was a missing element of storytelling in the whole draft. I don't mind the rosters so, so much. I don't have a, that big of a problem. I don't have that big of a problem with anything. But I feel like there was a huge problem in, in the storytelling of what went on. Now, my preference would have been, here's what I would have done with the women. The women are on one roster is what I would have done. I would have put, right now we've split them. And we don't, they haven't clarified what they're going to do with the titles, right? Like, I would, have, I, I would have had one brand strategically draft all the key players for one thing. Like, I would have had Stephanie go after the tag titles. And I would have had Shane go after the women's title. And Stephanie, strategically, after Shane drafted the top three women or something, would have started going for tag teams. The top three tag teams. So now, strategically, both sides have drafted one entire division. I would have had Raw, since it's a three-hour show, let them have the tag teams and the upcoming cruiserweight division, which has already been announced. Then, let SmackDown have the women's division and let the women take over SmackDown. If you split the women's roster down the middle so both shows have women... Just for the sake of, you know, well, that's very in right now and we want to make sure, blah, blah, blah. You're never going to have the women succeed to the level that they want to succeed. You won't. The women need to be able to take over one show. If you put the women on SmackDown, you have the opportunity to put those women in the main event. I guarantee if all the women were on SmackDown, you would have main event matches with women. Very quickly, I think, too. But if you split the roster... So now you're dealing with a three-hour show that only has seven women on it, one of them being the champion. If you split that roster, you know, I don't know. You don't, you don't create enough competition. You don't create enough interest. You don't have enough characters. Even if you add a Bailey into it, there's just not enough people as opposed to putting all of the women on SmackDown, letting them take over, and then having Raw with all the tag matches and all the cruiserweights. So all of a sudden, tag team wrestling becomes a specialty again. The cruiserweights becomes a thing. I mean, that's very, very clear to me. You make it so that there are specialties on both shows. And I don't think missing the women takes anything away from Raw if you have both cruiserweights and tag teams in that three-hour show. That's what I would have done. You know, I, I'm, I'm happy with the way they drafted Cena, number five. He still is a strong draft pick, but he's not... He's not. He's barely in the top five. You know what I mean. I think that that uh, it's not. It's not. I, I I think that that's good because um, it added this thing where you really are. As we I said on the YouTube show, draft picks need to be picked strategically to make the characters look a certain way, and I think that that was done with the John Cena pick, putting Rollins as number one strategic. Uh, uh, keeping the importance on the heavyweight championship strategic. Like all young guys, Charlotte is number three, strategic. You know, all new era people being picked in those spots, all strategic. And 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 I think the John Cena one was strategic too, putting Balor in the top five, strategic. I love how high Bray was picked. 
I think that makes Bray look strong. The order of the picks, I thought, was generally pretty good, with a few exceptions. Obviously, Cesaro, which we'll get into. Um, But I think that was good. I think the commentary teams are great switches. Great switches. You've now got a cool commentary team on both both sides. Because to put Morrow and Corey Graves on the same show would be overkill. And now you're you're making Raw uh, have a more difficult chance to succeed. But to split them up the way you split them up, uh, I think is great. All right, let's uh, let's go let's go to our guest, uh, Wade Keller. I wanted Wade Keller to call in and give his expert opinion on what he saw last night with the with the draft. So I'm going to get some opinions from him as well as uh, all the stuff we haven't covered yet because there's still a lot to cover. All right, Wade Keller is on the phone. My pal, of course, wrestling expert from the PW Torch. What's going on, Wade? Not too much. Just uh, headed back from a weekend up at the cabin, and and I uh, got ready to head to the Hall of Fame this weekend down in Waterloo, Iowa, and uh, having a big wrestling week with a bunch of uh, Torch staff and uh, and other friends. I love that you live it. It's like you're on vacation, but you're still it's still all wrestling. <laughs> yeah, it's not always that way, but the, the, it often is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I guess we'll start, like I was getting into some of my thoughts on the draft, but what were your general thoughts on, on the draft uh, this week? Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, looking at social media, my, most of my reaction I've seen from other people is it's horrible, it's worst case scenario, it's a disaster, and I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued with it. I kind of want to see where they go with it. I'm disappointed but not shocked that, uh, you know, Bo Dallas was drafted, but not Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, <laughs> it makes it makes no narrative sense. You know, WWE did not explain that, like, well, you know, NXT protected four of their best guys and women that you'd want to see drafted. They didn't really explain it, so it kind of makes, you know, Mick and Daniel and Shane and Steph look, you know, look bad that, you know, they drafted Eva Marie, but not Bailey. So from a from a from just me being a narrative stickler and just kind of wanting things to make sense, and I, I had some issues with it, but... You know, overall, I think that, you know, with, with Randy Orton back and uh, Roman Reigns coming back and uh, having, you know, pretty, there's some, I think there's some interesting matchups uh, on each brand right now that can kind of keep us, keep things interesting and fresh for a while. Uh, but, you know, long term, they're going to have to find a way to rotate some new talent in or uh, or be a little less stingy with the best guys in NXT. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Like, I pretty much said a similar thing, that I really don't have a problem with the rosters, the way the rosters look, although I would have kept the women onto one show. Um, yeah. But I had a problem with the, with the storytelling of, of, of the thing. It, it, the, you're, you're right about it. I was going to get into the NXT thing, too. You're 100% right about... Uh, the NXT picks like they even like if you just want to break it down to the simple NXT stuff it's like okay Mojo Rawley got a draft pick but Nakamura didn't get a draft pick like why why wouldn't he be the immediate like if if I'm Shane and I'm fighting for my life which Mm -hmm. that was the problem I think that yeah. The people didn't – Shane and Stephanie did not give the appearance that they were fighting for their lives. They gave the appearance that they were kind of just having a good time and it's a sibling rivalry, um, which I don't think uh, is good at all. Like I, I, I just don't – I don't think it wraps you in as much as it potentially could. But you, to, I would think that the initial – like if you're fighting and you hear Stephanie go, we got Finn Balor, then okay, Daniel, we got to do something big here. Let's get Nakamura, right? Yep, yep. 
And and uh, that's the thing. And all they had to say is is, and it doesn't have to be perfect, but give us something to believe in. Like William Regal had an opportunity to protect, um, you know, three male wrestlers and three female wrestlers, or two of each, right. um, to keep NXT intact. That doesn't mean they won't be that they won't be called up at, at another time. But at this moment, they're off the table because they've got big matches coming up. You know, and and even say, you know, like Corey Graves can explain, hey, I've been down at NXT a lot. The way it works is you get notice when you're called up and NXT promoters and all the wrestlers have a chance to settle their feuds, get their title shots in. And, you know, you have a three month notice or a two month or a six week notice. Um, and uh, and that's normally how it works. So this is different. So William Regal got to reserve for now, uh, you know, the two top men or, you know, four top men, you know, because then you can explain Austin Aries and Robert Roode. Uh, not being drafted too, in addition yeah. to Joe and Nakamura, just give us that same with the women. You know, he protected three of the women. Okay, that explains Oscar and Bailey not coming up. So yeah. that, it, and it's not nitpicking. You know, I know Vince McMahon would go, "Oh, that's nitpicking. Nobody's thinking of that." Everybody's thinking of that. Vince is the one who doesn't get his audience cares about that stuff. And even the people that aren't maybe consciously thinking about it, there's this kind of feeling in your gut. It's like an incomplete feeling when you're watching wrestling even if you're not like a super wrestling geek like you or me like even the casual person is just kind of watching if they watch every week then they're sitting there and there's something that feels incomplete there's something that doesn't feel right about this and they're not sort of as versed to storytelling as maybe you or i are but there's still something they're like this it this thing that it feels like okay and that's what it was it was okay but that's because i think the storytelling was only okay yeah. And I've also heard, you know, there's a feeling, oh, you know, we did, we actually did, a, I did, I threw a poll up on Twitter. Overwhelmingly, it was more than 50% thought Raw won, um, like 13% thought SmackDown won. And then I, you know, said, did they both win or did they both lose? And they kind of split the, you know, the rest, you know, like, you know, 18% or 20% for the other two. But basically, the results were Raw won. And I mean, if you think they won because the cruiserweight division is going to be there, I guess you can say that, but I think it's pretty even. You know, I, I, I you know, uh, did a little chart showing the heels and face lineup for SmackDown, heel face lineup for Raw. I mean, both, they're all thin, um, but I don't, I didn't come away, Sam, thinking that Raw just ran away with it. Yeah, I think that maybe because Raw got more picks, people might be kind of skewed by that. But I would, I would agree with that. I don't think Raw, if Raw won. It might have been by a little bit, but certainly not overwhelming. I don't. I don't sit there and go, "Well, I know one show is going to be better than another show now by any stretch." I mean, you tell me what you think of this idea, though. I was a little uh, underwhelmed, I guess, that they didn't, as I said at the beginning of the phone call, do the thing with women on one show. I feel like yeah. if they want to, because I guess the thinking would be that they want to showcase that WWE has all these great women, so they want to make sure that there are women on every show. When in reality, don't you think that, let's say, give Raw all the tag teams and the cruiserweights and then give SmackDown the women. Don't you think if SmackDown had all the women that you're dealing with a potential show where you actually can have women in the main event and you can have women build equally to the men as opposed to splitting the roster because there's no way you're dealing with with probably less than nine women on each show competing so there's no way that you're going to be able to showcase the women's division with any kind of strength with that small of a a showing i agree in fact there's uh, six women drafted to smackdown 
and seven, counting Dana Brooke, uh, drafted to Raw. That's, I mean, that's your draft. I'm, I'm not saying they won't fill it out post-draft, or I haven't seen if there was some sort of supplemental draft or anything on the website today. I don't think they were planning to do that. I didn't. I, uh, but, I, yeah, I, I mean, you're looking at SmackDown with Becky Lynch, Natalia, Naomi, Alexa, Eva Marie, and Carmella. I mean, that's, that's thin. Yes. And, and so, you know, and, and Charlotte and Sasha, and then Nia Jax, Paige, Summer Rae, and Alicia Fox, that's not deep either. So I think they feel like they need to have, you know, that women at the women's wrestling in general has a following, and they want both shows to have women for the predominantly male audience. I think maybe there's other ways to accomplish that. You know, Nitro had the Nitro Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, world-class champion wrestling had Precious and Sunshine. I mean, you just, you, there's other ways it, to get, you know, when you have Renee Young and JoJo doing interviews on the show right. uh, more often that, aren't, that don't have the women's wrestling, if you're trying to balance that out, there's other ways to do it. So that, but like I said, I came away from last night's draft intrigued with what they're going to do with the division, with what they did to divide things up. And I think having Charlotte drafted third overall, was you know talking about the women a really good message yeah. that WWE sent to the audience that we're not women aren't a footnote. This is uh, she is a major star, and we're using one of our early draft picks to get her. I, I liked that move. I also thought you know people should be happy that Finn Balor not only got drafted but got drafted really early. Yeah, and, and the, that them up to get a push. And that John Cena wasn't drafted until the fifth pick. Like it wasn't this like given. That of course he'll be number one. He's John Cena. Like there were, he was fifth, right? There were four new people. It was it was Rollins, Ambrose, Charlotte, and Finn Balor, all drafted before John Cena. Without this sort of fight to get him, so I think that that's you know I don't think it takes anything away from John Cena. I just think it helps to highlight the roster that's going to be there for the next ten years as opposed to the previous. I agree, and I thought Michael Cole had some good things to say about that talking about, well, Cena, you know, he's dropping a little bit, but the reason for that is he's got all these other obligations now. The ESPYs, the the Kids' Choice Awards, he's got sponsorships, he's doing charity. You know, like, creating this idea that John Cena's not too big for WWE, but he's so big, he's not as available to the GMs as a Dean Ambrose or a Dolph Ziggler or a Bray Wyatt or a Miz or an AJ, uh, AJ Styles. So they covered the base in a way where it didn't seem like John Cena you know, is needs to retire because nobody has faith in him. It was more, this guy's actually larger than WWE. And, and I don't think that diminishes other wrestlers either. Cause Cena's obviously been around for 12 years as a top guy. Yeah. I think they're shifting Cena into trying to position him into what the rock has become. Yeah. A guy who's yep, this mainstream figure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was also very pleasantly surprised at uh, Bray Wyatt's early selection. Yes. I mean, when you look at the, when you look at the heel depth on SmackDown, you know, you had AJ Styles first and then the, it was Bray Wyatt and Miz for the next two and then Baron Corbin and then poor Alberto Del Rio. He gets not only split from page, but right. he's drafted way down in the draft, barely made the first, you know, the main show. Didn't look happy about perhaps either of those things on the, uh, on the interview afterwards, but that's, that when you look at that, I don't think that anybody else, you could make a case Del Rio should have been higher than than Bray, um, based on anything other than how he's been used since they brought him back. But Bray as a number two heel uh, makes sense on on SmackDown. You know, I mean th- that that is something where he should be positioned to be uh, seen as a top guy, and they need to. I mean, the, the thing about the draft that that I think somebody like Bray benefits from is they can't afford to get sloppy with anybody anymore. 
You right. know, that you've, you've, they've got to be sharp with their pushes for everybody. If they had a little excuse to not push someone before because, you know, he sneezed once and didn't cover his mouth or he put his hand <laughs> in the bowl of M&Ms on the jet, like, you can't, you can't be petty like that anymore. You, when you do a roster split, you've got to squeeze everything you can out of all of these top guys. And that's why I think, you know, when you look at Raw on the babyface side, it's, it's Roman Reigns, Finn Balor, Sami Zayn, and then Neville and Cesaro. That's right. it. Now, you could say New Day and Enzo and Cash should be in there, but, you know, they're not sing- traditional singles acts. So now what does that mean? Well, it means if you're a fan of Neville, they're going to have to really get the most out of him and not go, well, he's not great on promos and he's small. Now they're going to go, okay, he's super talented and people like him and react to him. You know, they're, they're going to have to make the most out of these guys. That's why when I look at these rosters, I don't see the negative or the lack of depth. I see that WWE is now put in a position to have to get the best out of all of these top guys who have so much talent. Yeah, I would. I would agree. It doesn't with that. mean they will, Sam. It doesn't mean they won't screw it up. But <laughs> right. that's my optimism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's amazing that after all these years of watching wrestling, both of us have optimism left. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Um, what did you? How do you? Do you feel like Bailey's going to debut at the pay per view? At Battleground? Yeah. As a mystery partner? Yeah. It, it wouldn't shock me. Um, I mean, when you think about what are the options for somebody who would make a big splash. And then why did they keep her out of the draft? I actually think that's good speculation. Yeah. Um, I mean, it could be Oscar too. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, Trish Stratus had hinted a month or so ago that she would like to come back, but only for the right reason. And I think if I remember right, she cited working with Charlotte is something she'd really like to do. And that's not a spoiler. I haven't heard, but I'm just trying to speculate on different things. Did Nia, Nia Jax got drafted to Raw, right? I mean, it could be Nia Jax. Uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason it could be somebody who's already on the roster. Right, that's like this is her big debut because who knows? We haven't no, we don't know. We, you know, we don't know is Finn Balor going to be on Raw this Monday night? That wasn't really made clear necessarily. Um, True. Yep. What did you think of the of the Draft Center show? Did you watch it? I, I saw a good portion of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, I was watching SmackDown Live commercials and on my second screen experience watching the draft special and then the post show I watched. Yeah, the po- see. I was saying this before you got on the phone. I thought that the draft was very, very lacking uh, the initial reaction from the superstars. Like, I think to not have a camera in the locker room to go to live and to not have a camera in the performance center to go to live, just to see the facial expression when they get drafted, I think that that would have done so much more for the show than just playing their Titantron videos. And whether you have guys that are excited, guys that are kind of whatever – you know, you could see maybe Cesaro got upset about it, and we could see it immediately when it happens. But, right. you know, like, I think that's all exciting. But I really liked uh, – what I really liked about the Draft Center show, and I don't think that it will change anything, but I, I, I think if we were really looking at it that it could, is that it felt like none of those promos – I don't think anything was scripted on that show. I don't think any of the promos from the wrestlers – uh, were, it didn't feel like they were scripted anyway. Um, right. And I thought some of those guys, a lot of them actually, uh, excelled. You know, I, Neville, I, Cesaro. Yeah. I thought um, Kevin Owens. Was uh, New great. Day. Yeah. Jericho. Yep. Well, was Kevin great. Owens was always good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. No, no, no. That's true. Uh, Enzo and Cass. Even, even what I was pleasantly surprised was I thought Cass did pretty well for a guy who's traditionally not been that comfortable with a live mic. Um, uh, who did you say? Cass. 
Oh, sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, yep, everybody... I thought you said Taz and I thought I missed uh, Kazarian jumping no. or something. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? Uh, Taz has grown up in front of our very eyes. Yeah. I mean, if anybody is curious about Enzo and Cass and they weren't NXT, they didn't watch a lot of NXT, go back a year and watch him because Enzo owned that ring and it came time for Cass and he looked like a nervous third grader going being pushed onto stage at a school play. And, you know, just fear in his eyes. It wasn't smooth. Uh, he was trying hard and there was an earnestness and a likability, but you could tell it. And now he walks out and he has, there's a, there's a, a swagger developing in front of our very eyes with him. And it's, it's really fun to watch. I mean, I love, one of the things I love about wrestling is when they're able to tell a story where, where the wrestler's on a journey and you're watching it happen. You know, that happened yeah. with Bret Hart. You know, the Hart Foundation, then the IC title, then the world title, top babyface, then uh, turncoat from Canada and all that. I mean, that was a journey. And I've made my case that, you know, Randy Orton stopped being on a journey, you know, what, six, seven years ago and just became a guy, you know, kind of seemed like he was kind of on a, just phoning it in or on a treadmill career-wise. Cass is one of the reasons people watch wrestling because you're watching somebody who's going to make it or break it, but he's changing as he goes. And I think the going to what you said about the uh, draft special, those unscripted moments where somebody like Renee Young, especially can put you so at ease. She's the best since Lance Russell. She's amazing. Yeah. She brings the best out of everybody uh, in, in her promos and, or in her, in her, her interview style. She's, I've loved her since the first interview she ever did. I was like, she has it. And she does. And I mean, that list of names you just gave Sam that gave really good promos that felt, less scripted or unscripted um, says something. And I, and I hope that that gets noticed. And as they try to add some reality to Shane's uh, preaching about things being different on SmackDown, that'd be one subtle thing I'd like to see is a different approach to interviews where wrestlers are given a chance to, to do what they did last night on the draft special. Because that's something that I notice now in wrestling more than ever is that those of us that have watched it forever, you can see if you look in one of these guys' eyes, you can tell when they're doing a promo, even like a Mick Foley, right, who's like one of the great promo guys, you can tell yep. when you look in his eyes, he is trying to remember his lines. Yeah. And and, and that kills it for me. And and yep. when you can have specials like we – I mean, even even the Cesaro thing, which obviously is everywhere now and justifiably so. Um, yeah. That is like, okay, there's real Cesaro. Like, he's not just like, he's got his tearaway suit and that's cool and everything, but this, he's, he's pissed for a reason, you know? And, and, and I think a lot of us are like, really? He was that low? And for him to get to voice that and to do it properly is like, you know, th- those are the type of, of moments that, that should be highlighted. And I think, you know, you go back to saying, you know, Cass is one of the reasons that we watch wrestling to watch this guy develop. And I think that's true. And I think, Personally, I think that the 30 days that Enzo was out with that concussion is literally the best month that Cass has ever had. It's the best thing that could have happened to him. But I think another yep. reason we watch wrestling is for is for moments like that where you feel like, I don't know what's going to happen here. Or this is, this is him. This is the guy. This is that character talking to me. You know? I think, you know, with, with, with the promo style and how how people I think can tell authentic thoughts being turned into words yeah. and Cesaro really, you could tell that that's in him, that he, he has something to say. And there's this, this version of him that we get where, I mean, he has become even in the ring, a bit of an uppercut giant swing cliche. 
Mm-hmm. And in, for somebody less talented, that's fine. Build a career around it. Um, you know, be that, that, that number six baby face, you know, on a roster who the crowd likes, but they're, they're, they're the guy who comes, you know, who, who keeps the fans happy during the pre-intermission part of the show. But Cesaro can be more than that. And after this roster split, they don't have a choice, but, well, they do have a choice, but <laughs> they don't have a good choice. The, the only choice they have to succeed is to take advantage of Cesaro types. And I think fans like to see guys with chips on their shoulders. Yeah, um, I, I think that's something that WWE beats out of their talent in a way. They don't want guys to seem like they're not just good soldiers. Look at the the Cruiserweight Classics classic presentation. It's all these you know it's all these people talking about oh I was living on a on someone's floor and and eating tuna fish out of a can and now Triple H gave me a big break. Well, where's the guy who goes? What took WWE so long? I'm going to take over this place. When I look around, I see a bunch of people who I'm going to beat easily. That is the Conor McGregor type thing. And that's and there's there's two people doing that. And it's two people that literally every time they're on TV, I love. One, it's in him naturally, and that's Kevin Owens. And two, yep. they've developed a character, and that's Baron Corbin. Like Baron Corbin coming in and being like, "No, I don't." Yep. They gave, they some people worked all their lives. I got a phone call, and they're lucky to have <laughs> me here. It's like that that character and that guy. I'm like, I love watching that because that's what I miss. I was talking on the podcast recently about that guys and and girls competitors that now either have reverence, their characters either have reverence or legitimate fear of the authority figures. Like there's there's younger yeah. and, and, and it's this vibe of like some of these some of these people were because they were fans when they were kids and they grew up watching Stephanie and so now they get to see her and you can still see it in their eyes. They're still a little starstruck. They're a little scared to say the wrong thing even on TV and blah, 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 as opposed to I've got this moment on TV whether I get in trouble for it after or not, I'm going to take advantage of it because I feel like sometimes you're watching and you can tell that in the segment that's on air, the performer doesn't want to say the wrong thing because they'll get yelled at after and you're never going to get a good product out of anybody that way. I, I agree. I mean, it's, it comes down to uh, wanting so much control over a product that thrives when there's a sense that things aren't going exactly as the people in charge imagine. Right. And, and I do think that's part of the charm. Uh, maybe charm's not the best word, but what, what made the Monday Night War? Yeah. Uh, and, and Nitro and Hall and Nash, I mean, uh, that was 20 years ago. You know, when Nash showed up, it was 20 years ago. Well, I just put my back issue up for VIP members. It's fresh in my head. It was like just 20 years ago in June that Brian Pillman, you know, was, was, was jumping to WWF. There was this sense of there's characters who make management nervous. Right. And I understand WWE not wanting Wall Street to perceive that they don't have control over their their actors, their superstars. But to me, if you want to impress Wall Street, sell out buildings, get to two and a half million network subscribers, and start drawing 3.0 ratings again, they're not going to care about the perception of whether you're totally in control of these uh, these these people working for you. And and yeah, that'd be something nice to see. And I, I mean, I don't know how to get that back. Uh, Kevin Owens. It's one of the reasons I think people love Kevin Owens and why people loved CM Punk. Yeah. Um, every once in a while, somebody like that comes along, and the reason people react to them that way is wrestling fans and the demographic that it attracts, a big part of them are, repul- are, are repelled by the, the corporate push of Roman Reigns rehearsing lines that don't feel natural, and the guy who you don't know what he's going to say next, the Kevin Owens CM Punk type. And, and that's why I think that nowadays, because everything is so scripted, wrestlers should realize that... The number one opportunity, at least verbally, I think, 
for for superstars these days is getting a chance to be on commentary. And I'm sure that you've got somebody, you got Vince or whoever yelling in your headset, don't say this, don't say that, say this, say that. But commentary is the one. Promos are scripted. You can't do what you used to be able to do in promos. But when you get on commentary, and by the way, that's where Kevin Owens has excelled. That's where a guy like Dean Ambrose can excel. That's where these guys who have the ability to speak directly to the audience without a filter can actually get in front of a mic and do it. Once they're on commentary, it's like, okay, they're giving me – and that's like not 30 seconds. That's 8, 12 minutes of a mic Dolph, that's live and no script. I'm going to go for Dolph, it. Dolph Ziggler's best work has been when he's been on color commentary, right. not giving a sound by promo. Right, right, and I think that that's important. Yeah. Uh, what do you foresee, what do you hope happens uh, with the title situation? Or do you know? I don't know if you've, if you've heard anything. No. Um, I, no, I, no, I, I don't know. My assumption is that nothing has been decided yet. But, but, <laughs> but, um, um, what do you? What would you? What do you either foresee or hope happens with the title? And and I'm not just talking about the heavyweight championship. I'm talking about all of them because you know they've split tag teams. They've split the women. All, what we know for sure is that the U.S. title, I would assume, will be defended exclusively on Raw. Intercontinental title for SmackDown, but beyond that, the women's, the heavyweight title, and the tag team title are kind of all in the air. I, I don't think you can ignore the clues. You know that the WWE World Heavyweight Championship now has turned into the WWE Heavyweight Championship, and they're they're they've got three, uh, two challengers and a champion going into Sunday. All of whom have held the belt. All of whom can hold the belt again. You've got Reigns over on Raw, Reigns and Seth on Raw, and Dean on SmackDown. I just think they've laid the groundwork where there's going to be a controversial finish. I mean, you could literally have the exact same finish that you had on Raw, and then all of a sudden just say, okay, well, Dean is the SmackDown champion, Seth is the world Raw champion, whatever. Yes, and and so those clues are there, but if if they were going to do that, did it really make sense to do it on Raw because it'll feel a little orchestrated to then do something really similar uh, six days later. And that almost makes me think they wanted to give that to you on Monday so you go into Sunday thinking or expecting something different. And I don't know what that something different is, but I I wouldn't even rule out that Raw instead was setting the table for, we can't have this, we can't have this anymore. Stephanie's like, you know, uh, we got screwed over once on this. We're not going to again. I'm declaring Seth the champion. And, uh, you know, you're now the, 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 you know, the world heavyweight champion. Um, and Roman Reigns or, D, you know, I would have to be Dean, you know, uh, Shane and Dana Bryan go, no, no, we're, 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 we, uh, recognize Dean as champion. And that's all they split the belts. The problem is how convenient right when you do a roster split to have <laughs> a, a contact, you know, a finish like that. I yeah. mean, that's stuff they should care about. I know the fans care about that. You, you give us, you know, give us a story that's believable. So there's part of me that thinks, they're teasing this, they're teasing this, and what they're really going to do is have one champion who, you know, either floats, uh, at, you know, like, you know, if, if, if Dean's a champion on SmackDown, then uh, everybody fights on Raw to become number one contender, and, the, you know, once every couple pay-per-views, Dean's got to defend against the top Raw guy, and he makes, you know, a couple Raw appearances to build it up. Uh, that, that's a, that is a good scenario in terms of having that world champion have the maximum prestige. The downside is, and this is why Vince held on to the two world titles for so long, they run two house shows per night on weekends. Right. And there, there is a belief that the world title and the world champion helps draw. And 
they had, you know, CM Punk defending the belt and John Cena as a, uh, you know, top draw otherwise, okay, that can work. But, but if you're trying to build new people up and you're trying to run house shows without a world champion in major markets and you're headlining, you know, with, with, with New Day against the Wyatt family, I mean, maybe you can make it work. But I, I understand Vince thinking, no, we got to have each brand, each show with their own champion. I, and, and there's a downside either way. I mean, there really is. And I know some people feel really strongly one way or the other. I just don't think there's a perfect scenario. Yeah, it's it's tough. I, I My gut is to split the title. I, I just – I feel like – in order for the bland, brand split, to, the bland split. In order for the <laughs> <laughs> Freudian, I'm yeah. Mr. Optimist as a Freudian slip. <laughs> I think in order for the brand split to work properly, it needs to yeah. have the least confusion possible. And I always feel like the more floating you have, the more confusion there is between the brands. Um, what do yep. you What do you think though for the tag team and the women's championship then do those follow suit with the world title does stephanie say okay well fine you recognize dean well we're gonna have our own tag team our own or 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 does shane go well you know what you know natty natalia never got the chance so natalia is is the real women's champion and and whoever is the real tag champions do they split all the titles or because i i would imagine what's good for one is good for all right they either have to split them all or float them all i think so i think if you're going to have two world champions uh singles men's champions then i think you should have two singles women's champions you know or or have all the women on one brand you know one or the other you can't have a women's division without them fighting over something makes no sense right um you got to have the women fighting for for some championship so either either you have floating men floating women or you have um uh champions on both uh, you know, two, a belt for each on both. And I, I have, I mean, really, I mean, I think there's been a lot of assumptions and a lot of uh, things floated. I think you hit it at the beginning. I, I don't even have a sense because they haven't done anything that disqualifies either scenario yet that we've seen, mm-hmm. that they might still be waiting to decide, you know, or, or you know, they're 90% there, but they're not 100% there on how to handle it. I, I think they were shooting on TV when, when they were kind of shrugging their shoulders going, we're still working this out behind the scenes, folks. We just know we want a roster split. But yeah. the execution and the minutia, we're just, we haven't finalized it yet. But I, I like it that way. I mean, I, I like it that way as long as the, once they make a decision, they understand the ramifications of it and how to frame it effectively to serve the fans and to serve the wrestlers, ideally. So I just hope they have their, their act together by Sunday. And that's always been WWE, though, right? Like they, I, Historically, and for, for, for as long as I can remember, uh, especially since the Attitude Era at least, they run – at the last minute, like like for years, it's been yeah. the last draft of the raw split is hand, uh, of, of the raw script is handed in ten minutes before raw goes on the air. They're figuring this out, they're figuring that out. It's it's a it's a last minute company. But by the way, I don't dislike that because, like you said earlier, wrestling is supposed to be unpredictable. So I like the idea of stuff really does like who knows what's going to happen. I don't, and I run the company. You know. Well, think about the fun that people had watching the draft special, knowing that this was a little bit off of Vince's radar, a little bit off of the meticulously scripted promos and shows. And once, you know, you, you, saw, uh, you saw some of the guys let loose a little bit and have fun. I mean, even New Day, totally in character. But it was so fun seeing Kofi and Big E react in a way where it was almost like not rehearsing, but like a session. It was like a jam session of, this isn't our A material that we've refined and practiced and, and improved. We're just, we're just 
we're just improvising and they're good. And you, you're like, okay, these guys don't need a script. They don't need six writers to tell them what to do. And then, you know, Cesaro and Del Rio and the attitude and that they had and, and, and unleashing a little bit or, or, you know, trying to, you know, Del Rio trying to put on a professional face and Cesaro going, screw it. What have I got to lose <laughs> that? If that feeling was on Raw and SmackDown every week, all the time, that's what's missing. You know, that that's one of those easy things they can, that they can fix. You just got to pick people to talk who can talk, but you'll never find out if you don't give them that chance to try and occasionally fall flat. And good performers can maintain a character. Like they become familiar enough with their character that they don't need, they can still stay in character and work without a script. I mean, you saw, yeah, throughout the attitude era, there were tons of characters, people doing that. And before the attitude era, there were tons of people doing that. Um, even uh, at the on the draft special, though, Enzo and Cass did not break character, but they didn't use a script. Like you said, New Day. We know, I know based on the interviews that I've done, but we all know that Bray Wyatt has such a strong familiarity in his own head with his character that he can be Bray Wyatt without a script. And, yep. and, and I think that those are the performers that you want. Seth Rollins... You know, there's there's a Seth Rollins is playing a character, and Seth Rollins can be Seth Rollins without a script, and and those are the those are the guys that whether you like it or not uh, connect with the audience, regardless of of surroundings. I think. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce Mitchell, Travis Bryant, and I after the SmackDown special last night, then we did like a two-hour audio analysis and depth recap. What do we do afterwards? Put on a 1985 TBS, WCW, <laughs> and a WCW show, and you know we're watching Arn Anderson, you know, yeah. and that was not scripted, but you believed what he said because he believed what he said as he was delivering those lines. Wait, uh, and, and Arn, Arn understood who the enforcer was. Exactly, he was. I mean, that was an that was an alter. It wasn't even, it was, I guess, an alter ego. Yeah, um, not that different, you know. So that that the mid eighties. Uh, NWA on TBS Saturday show is an example. Tony Schiavone holding a microphone and wrestlers who know their character inside and out uh, cutting promos with an idea in their head of what they want to say, and they say it the same way you and I are talking now about the draft. They You put a mic in front of their mouth, and you say, fill two, three minutes, they can do it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, and and, and WWE, it just, it's shifted in the last, you know, 15 or so years dramatically in that way and, and mostly for the worse, um, you know, in some ways for the better, because some guys um, had ex writers on my podcast and, you know, talking about, you know, sometimes the guys really do benefit from meticulous writing. Um, other guys use it as a crutch um, and, and it's, it's figuring out, you know, who benefits and who doesn't, but having a more flexible policy in that regard. You know, it's uh, it's interesting too. just thinking about talking about promos. You got a guy like Daniel Bryan, who historically, the naysayers have said, "Well, yeah, I mean, he could wrestle a good match, but he can't. He can't. He can't get behind a microphone. He can't talk, you know." Blah, blah. And now he's like in a pure talking role, and still is, you know, he's great at it. He's incredible. Um, there was Sam. There was a moment on the on the uh, uh, post show last night when uh, the panel led by Renee asked Shane first, well, um, "Was there any draft pick that you consider a steal that you couldn't believe were still on the board?" Shane McMahon gave a blank look like I forgot to study for this test <laughs> and Daniel Bryan and, and Shane started. I mean, if you watch it back, he started at just talking gibberish that had nothing to do with the question. I bet Shane didn't even know who he drafted. I bet he didn't know the order. I bet he hadn't given a second of thought to it. So then they go to Daniel Bryan, 
he gives you two minutes on it. You know, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's what you want more of are the guys who are that good on their feet and they're actual fans. And that's another thing fans pick up on with baby faces, especially in the role Daniel Bryan's in right now. And I think they get that with Mick Foley too. Is this guy's a fan? He's watching wrestling, but he's not wrestling. Um, when the lights go out, you know, the cameras turn off. He's talking with other people about wrestling, and and you know, Danny Bryan is just fantastic in this role. How, by the way, speaking of gibberish, MVP of the night, I would say, goes to Kalisto. I did not see that. You, did you not see Kalisto's promo? No. Oh, dude, you have to see Kalisto's promo. He he <laughs> he, he totally like blanked. He 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 goes. Oh no! Yeah, he, he's talking, <laughs> and he and he blanks, and he's talking to Greg Hamilton, and he's trying to say how excited he is, but he he had a, a complete uh, brain fart, and then he said, "I just I'm gonna get my revenge on Baron Corbin, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna yeah I can't you I, I can't wait to, you know do the lucha oh, no. thing." He said, "I'm gonna do the lucha thing," and then he was like, "Yeah," and he ran off, and you heard him oh, no. just exclaim this combination. He went. God damn it! Woo! <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was. I gotta see that. You gotta go online and 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 find it because it was my favorite moment in wrestling. I'm gonna go on SiriusXM tonight and play that for my non-wrestling audience just to be like, this oh, is fun. everything, everything. Uh, yeah, that's great. Well, where can uh, where can everybody find your stuff again? As if they don't already know. Sure, uh, PWTorchLiveCast.com. We're on six days a week, an array of hosts. I host on Tuesdays and Thursdays, do interviews on Thursdays, usually digest raw on Tuesdays with rotating co-hosts. We do have a $1 VIP sale, super fast, pwtorch.com slash govip is uh, a page where you get all kinds of details on, on our online membership. We do about 75 to 100 podcasts ad-free per month, uh, including old retro radio shows from the 90s and the Attitude Era. And uh, every day there's two or three shows about current stuff with really top shelf staff. Uh, people go there. Uh, they can enter coupon code Sam Sale. I'll create a coupon code just for your listener, Sam. Awesome. And for one dollar, they get a full month of VIP access. That includes nearly thirty years of back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter online in PDF and text format with all kinds of insider stuff on the Monday Night War, every pay per view, every star rating of every match ever on pay per view since then. Um, but yeah, I won't go on and on. All the details are there at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Uh, Ad free access to all the podcasts and all the archives. Well, I definitely recommend it. Go to pwtorch.com. Wade, you're one of my favorite guys to talk to about wrestling. Thank you for uh, jumping in here in a pinch, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Oh, and we had Dutch Mantel on last Thursday, first post-WWE interview at pwtorchlivecast.com, which was great, and I want to throw that in. He had a great story about Donald Trump stealing his gimmick, and he said (laughs) he had a moment where Donald Trump walked up to him. Travis, what WrestleMania was it, 30? 29. Donald Trump walked up to him backstage and said, I love what you just said. Um, that was great. Like, and, and, and I mean, Dutch is great. Uh, Zeb Coulter uh, uh-huh. is great. And, and his mind just started like you could see Trump's mind churning. Like, maybe I could be president with this. <laughs> you got to hear Dutch tell the story. <laughs> I can't wait. I'll definitely check it out. Uh, thanks Excellent. again, man. Thanks, Sam. Always a pleasure. Oh, good news. We've gotten Lennon Dahl. Let's go back to the studio. We've got comments. On the draft from Katie Linendahl. Here is Sam Roberts. So I've I've done it. We're back now out of the home studio into the studio studio, and I've won the game of where in the world is Katie Linendahl. I found you, Linendahl. 
You tracked me down. I know. thought I was deleted, but no, my existence was found and discovered. I'll tell you, though, I did work for both of us because I feel like uh, Broken Matt Hardy looks at neither one of us as Brother Nero's, and we both may be members of his platoon. Uh, no, in all seriousness, did you ask him if he has any interest in having on board a Sister Nero? I absolutely did. Wait till you hear this thing, and you, you'll find out the proper way to pronounce McMahon. Oh, I'm so excited. Meek Mahan! My enthusiasm. <laughs> so good. This so, is why I step out of events of which I'm speaking on gravitational waves and Einstein's theory to talk wrestling with you, Sam Roberts. I know. I pulled her. I literally pulled Katie out of, a, of an event that she was doing to say, <laughs> just give me 10 minutes, Katie. I just need your voice. I need to hear your voice. I need to talk to you about this. It's not right. Cybersecurity, gravitational waves. Okay, let's talk uh, broken hearty. And let's talk about the draft. You were you were so dedicated, oh, by the way. You were watching the draft on a plane. Um, I talked about it a lot, and then I talked to Wade Keller about it. Uh, but I want to know, what was your gut reaction to what happened uh, at the draft? Well, can I tell you, this is one of those times where I was like, you know when you're watching Raw and you're on hour three, and you'd rather watch, like, the channel at the hotel that's about the hotel. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like hour three is too long. Mm-hmm. This was one of those moments where I literally looked down. I was like, we don't have another hour to go. <laughs> Cause, I and by the, the way, that it was moving was fantastic. And we did have another hour to go because they did a, they did the yeah. third hour on the network. But you know what I mean. Absolutely. So let's continue it live. There's something, there's something always palatable about like live sports and, and wrestling live, like rock. And you the fact live, that, which is why SmackDown Live is now great live. Right, live, 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 live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the so, fact that we know we're watching this, knowing that not only can anything happen, but it will happen. Like, like the every moment of this show is groundbreaking in a way because it's like this is this is reshaping the way the shows are going to go from now on. It was kind of full of surprises. Okay, tell me. Well, see, here's, I, I throw this back on you because your post, I waited till you got off the air, and then I was like, oh, what's he going to say about it? And, and you, you kind of surprised me. You sounded, and correct me if I'm wrong here, a little disappointed. Well, and I talked to, I talked to Wade about this a little bit. I'll tell you that I, um, I was not disappointed in the draft selections. Like, there are some things I would have done differently. I think the women should have all been on one show. I think they should all be on SmackDown. I think the tag teams and the Cruiserweight should both be on Raw. Uh, As I said to you many times before, I think putting Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens on the same roster is a mistake uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, And I probably would have just, just to shake everybody to the foundation, I would have split up. Enzo Amore and Cass, but that's just, so, so aside, mm-hmm. but that, again, that's all nitpicky stuff. That doesn't matter. The, I'm, I'm, the women thing is a big deal to me that I'm unhappy with. But beyond that, uh, I think that the rosters are both good. I think that the storytelling mechanisms used in the roster split were not what they could have been. Um, I don't think that Shane and Stephanie felt like they were uh, fighting for their survival. Like it was, it didn't feel life and death to me. It just felt like kind of siblings having fun. And uh, I felt like uh, not seeing the superstars react instantly, you know, not seeing their faces when they find out 
was kind of a bummer. And, and again, I just felt like it wasn't as thorough storytelling as it could have been because that's what it is. It's like one of the great – you don't have many opportunities to tell stories this dramatic. And it could have been told more dramatically. And you know I'm a, you know that's what I'm a geek for, storytelling. Amen. And, and I actually agree with you on the reaction because I was trying to think back to the last draft and I was like, oh, how did they run this? Like, right. How did the, the reaction surface? <laughs> and I was like, this one was kind of run like the SB, like a little montage package after somebody was drafted. And I think that caught me off guard early on. Yeah. And I was like, yay. I, uh, 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 I wanted, I, so you did not get a chance to watch the network thing because you were traveling, correct? No, I'm up to speed. You watched the network thing? Yes, I did. What did you think of it? Well, I actually want to go back to one statement first. I thought one of the biggest surprises of the entire Great, yeah. draft yeah. was the, the female side of the Raw division. I actually disagree with you. I think the Raw, the raw female side is stacked comparatively to the SmackDown side. Oh, yeah. I mean, have, I mean, no, that's true. But even, even with a stacked roster, a female roster, it's still seven chicks. Like, there's seven people. You know what I mean? It's not enough. But I felt like in, in, in one piece of positiveness that happened from that, I had a moment again as a female wrestling fan where I was like, holy hell, dude, Charlotte just went, she went two or three. That was great. That, that was, was great. Could you imagine, and I'm not putting anybody down, I'm making a factual statement here. Could you imagine a Bella going two or three? No, it would never it happen. Would never that was happen. That was and then, awesome. And we've gotten to a point where we've just started to accept it. Right. Like, we're like, oh, hell yeah, Charlotte went too. Like, it's just, it's par for the course. That, to me, was like an earth-shattering moment in wrestling timeline in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that and was I an important one. You have Raw, just hear me out on this, because you've got Charlotte, Sasha, now Nia Jax, which is a big surprise, which I'll get to, Paige, and then, like, Alicia Fox. Okay, fine. SmackDown, you have... Becky Lynch, Natalia, who I thought was a huge loser in this draft, Eva Marie and Alexa Bliss, fighting over what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the question. Is, yeah, what's going to happen? Maybe the champion will be floating. Maybe they'll have a second women's championship. I mean, who knows? Mm. Um, I thought, um, can I go to my biggest losers and all this? Yeah. Okay. My biggest losers... My one, two, three is Apollo Crews. Yeah, I see. Because that. I feel like he was getting such a push, and I personally am disappointed in, in where he left off on this. Yeah. Famous, obviously. Again, somebody that was. You're going to tell me that Mark Henry and the Big Show get drafted before she. Okay, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, no, no, that's true. And the obvious one, which I can't tell if it is a work or not. Is Cesaro? I promise and then from you. From there down, I have Paige, Ko, and Curtis Axel. I don't think uh, I don't think the Cesaro thing is a work at all. Um, I think it's a total shoot. Uh, and that and and by and by the way, I'm not. I think that the draft pick he got is a losing pick, but the promo that he cut on the network show almost made it a winning thing. Like he turned it around again because it was such a compelling promo that he cut after after his pick. Tell me this. In terms of winners and losers, how do you yeah. feel about the hottest free agent in the game, Heath Slater, baby? <laughs> uh, I cared about that as much as I cared about Jericho getting drafted as high as he did. I felt like that was 
equivalent to drafting a kicker in the first round of your fantasy football league. You were not happy about I that. Know. You did not get a chance no, to, to, to breathe it in or drink no. it in. You did not get a chance to drink it in. No Kool-Aid was, was hmm. drank, drunk, whatever, during that. No. Oh, oh. Well, I, I, did you think it was – I thought, honestly, I kind of thought it was hilarious what happened with Heath Slater. I love yeah, it. Yeah, why do you think that's that great? I just think it's so funny. Like, for there to be – for him to be sitting there, like, and the lights go out, and he's like, Shane, Stephanie, what happened? And now he's, like, on Twitter saying he's a free agent. <laughs> like, the fact that they forgot to vote Heath Slater. Like, there's always a kid that's picked last. But the fact that not only was he picked last, he wasn't even picked. They were like, "Oh, whatever." Like, no, no brand picked him up at all. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was uh, kind of hilarious. He's defining social outcast. Okay? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's a total outcast, and and the chemistry that the social outcasts have, like the fact that you know Curtis Axel and uh, Heath Slater are annoyed that they haven't been picked, but Bo Dallas is still happy. Like he's not a team player. He's just like, <laughs> well, it worked out well for me. Yeah, I actually had him in my winner's bracket. Yeah, I'd say Bo Dallas was a winner for sure. Because he's like, well, you, all, all you guys have to do is Bo leave. Right. Yeah, yeah. I also had Carmella Jericho, who I said, in Big Show as kind of surprise winners. I think they were winners, I, sure. You know what? I'm also going to say that this draft was not a real draft. Why? Like, there's just so much ridiculousness. Like, there was no way that sequence really would have happened in the order that it did. Listen. Come on. Listen. Sometimes people decide to draft uh, Mojo Raleigh over Nakamura. Of course. <laughs> that would happen. Case and point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, how do you, you know feel? You what? You might as well just draft Ty Dillinger. The perfect 10 over AJ Styles. I, I mean, maybe he's a perfect 10. I don't know. What number would you give AJ? Eight? You know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what What do you think of uh, the general manager selection? I thought it was fairly obvious. I didn't think it was Even Mick Foley? Obvious. You thought you weren't surprised yeah. by Mick? Yeah. No, I wasn't surprised at all. Wow. Look at you. Well, because of all the interpromotional stuff with Foley Foley and all that. I, I guess, you know, I, you're... I love the pick. I think it was great, but I'm not surprised. You're media smart. You're media smart. You see that this is all promo for their reality show. That's, yeah, you know, you're, you're smart. You're media smart. Um, now, uh, I, I don't know if you heard this. This is Well, did you hear about the commentary breakdown? I did. I'm actually very disappointed in, in Lawler not showing face anywhere. I feel like you could kind of tell in the tone of his voice, but maybe that was me over-speculating. I don't know. I kind of feel like they just made, dropped that bomb late last night. I, I don't think that they told him in advance. I don't think any of these guys knew in advance, except for maybe Cena. I don't think anybody else knew in advance. That's my gut. I, think, I mean, hands down, I don't know if you, you like, mind F me on this, but Mauro Ronaldo is just, like, insane. Well, he's great. I actually that think the, the shakeup is good. Yeah. And, and they did say also that they're going to use Booker T and Jerry Lawler as uh, – panelists, you know, as like hosts on those pre-show panels and stuff like that. They've not announced what they're doing with the Raw or SmackDown pre-shows. But I think the two commentary teams are really good. Like, I, I think... Yeah, but, but who wants to be demoted? Like, at that point... I'm well, look, I mean, Lawler, Lawler like, like, I know maybe Lawler doesn't want to be demoted, but he's been doing this since 93. It's time, you know? Like, I understand Lawler yeah, doesn't... So- 
So is Dan Patrick. Like, I mean, like, those are the people that you keep around, the legacies that you don't demote. I'm, like, what I, a blow look, to the ego. I, don't, I guess it's a blow to the ego, but it's time for Jerry Lawler to not be doing commentary anymore. What is the fact behind that, though? What gives, is there any, like, lack in his performance? I, I, I would I'm say so. I'm really shocked by that. Yeah, well, I, I, I would say yes. Speaking, on, the, on the legal side, okay, maybe you win there. <laughs> I forgot about that notion. Yeah. <laughs> Has there been a lack in his performance? I would say yes. Oh, well, then I guess that's, that's a different correct. story then. No, I mean, I'm like over the moon happy that Corey Graves is going to be on Raw. Like over the moon. And yeah, that was and and the SmackDown team is Otunga, Morrow, and JBL, right? That's correct. Yeah, I mean, JBL is JBL at this point is better than Lawler. And, yeah, and I, to be honest, I completely forgot about that whole. You know how like I am. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that whole f up on his part. Now I now I kind of take back with it. Well, I mean, to Jerry Lawler's credit, the charges were dropped completely. Mm. The charges were dropped. So once the charges are dropped, you have to. It is what it is. But uh, I th- so so I think that like if. Corey Graves is going to be entered into commentary. I'm so glad he's on Raw. Number one, for him to be on a flagship show, I'm, I'm like over the moon happy for my friend. But number two, I think to put Morrow and Corey on the same show is like injecting way too much cool into the commentary of one show. Like you can't give one show the dream team of commentary. So you got to you gotta separate Corey and Morrow because it's, it's too good together. Uh, and I think... I don't want to see Byron lose his gig because he's young and learning. Like he, Byron, I think is being trained to be the next Michael Cole. So you can't get rid of Byron on the three man team. So there, so you got to get rid of JBL. And if you ask me right now, who do you want on commentary, Jerry Lawler or JBL? Like I love Lawler; he is a legacy. But so is Jr. Like if, by the way, if TNA is smart at all, they take a look at Jerry Lawler's contract. And they, they stay on top of it, and they try to get a booth of J.R. and Jerry Lawler commentating TNA. I think that'd be interesting. Um, Will they do it for free? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing that just broke, and I don't think you've read this, because, you yeah, I mean, Jesus, I can't believe how well-researched you are with the amount of stuff that you're doing over there. Um, Thanks, I don't sleep. I guess not. Do you hear that their, uh, the Wrestling Observer reported what Roman Reigns' substance was? Ooh, do tell me in. The exact same Adderall that Adam Rose was taking. And Adam Rose specifically said that they knew about the Adderall, like the Adderall, he's taken it before, blah, 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 blah. Apparently, they're saying, rumors, rumors, internet, internet, that Roman Reigns got popped for Adderall, for ADHD and narcolepsy. Well, that's what the Adderall is used for. I don't know what he was using it for. I, don't I know can if you tell a... you that on a science side, that is like one of the most highly addictive, addictive and abused. I, I have to tell you something. Period. If, if my WWE champion is on Adderall, I'm okay with it. I knew a bunch of guys in college that were on Adderall. They were fine. You know, they just had to get something to get through their finals. Like if we're trading in muscle relaxers for Adderalls, I'm okay with that. I don't know how I don't know how to answer that, but strictly <laughs> oh, because it's such apparently an addictive substance 
Yeah. Well, it's like little. It's, it's like it's like junior speed. Uh, it's like it's like it's like like uh, children's Tylenol, but children's speed. Yeah, but then you can have like long-term Adderall abuse, which is like, I mean, leading into substance. Yeah, you could do that, but I, mean, I, that, I don't you, know how I feel about that. If you got tested, I mean, you could make the same argument for Robitussin. These kids are robo tripping these days. No, 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 no. The, the rate at which like Adderall is being like popped in like colleges. Yeah. And like as, as a that's a, that's a really highly addictive prescription. Were you bummed out when Mick Foley came out that it wasn't a laptop? nailed it on twitter because they were like you just like the noise and i was like yeah you're kind of right i honestly can't believe the amount of people i got tweeting saying that no sam you're wrong the the anonymous raw general manager was cool i was like what that was i would like to give a huge thank you out to everybody that went out of their way a a to the people that put me down because they all did it very politely and with like a heart emoji, which geeked me out. I mean, and Katie, like how the people that have my back that I did not expect would also be in support of the United General Manager. How anybody could listen to this show and not be in love with you is beyond me. I mean, to to, to be surprised oh. that it would be polite. Uh, come on, come on. I mean, our listeners are better than that. Uh, so, go ahead. After you drop a berserker reference, <laughs> people, people enjoy you for it and don't make fun of you. I'm on. I'm so on board. You've it's met your people. You've met I your met people. people. Well, Katie, I'm very, very happy that I got a chance to uh, get your opinion on everything that's going on. Of course, you'll be back next week, next Thursday, when we drop next week's podcast. Yes, I will be in the country. Yes, yes. Wait, the country. <laughs> we are the Mounties. <laughs> My new one for next week. I love it. I love it. Katie, you can catch Katie uh, uh, every week here on the podcast. You can catch Katie on her own podcast at uh, katie.show, which is on uh, www.katie.show or here on i or I don't know why I said here or on iTunes at uh, katie.show. So, Katie. You can also find me on, on ancestry.com. If you look, <laughs> if you do a little back researching, yeah. you'll be able to find in the um, I'm, I'm Sister Nero right under Broken That Hardy. It's, it's, it'll be coming out soon in the news, but I wanted to give you guys the first look. What an honor. Thank you so much, okay. Katie. Sister Nero. Jeffy. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.